You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Just wrapped up work, got home and uh, ready to do some recording. It's uh it's been a good week. Ready to um ready to get into it, ready to mix it up, talking about some Runeterra. Yeah, we have a little Runeterra to talk about. I got to play a little bit today. We're recording a day later than normal, which is why we did not have a live stream this week. I was absolutely spent yesterday. Uh just got got to the end of the day and I was like, ah, I don't even have it in me to talk about Runeterra for, for an hour <laughs> and a half. Uh, and it gave us a little bit of extra time to prep. So this episode, we're going to do uh, take a look at uh, at deck name game. And, uh, and we're also going to take a look at, we're going to start a crafting guide. Um, we wanted to start one before because we know that there are some newer people playing the game and it's unique. Like this game's a little unique because crafting is, uh, it's different in this game than it is in others. Like I feel like crafting guides were really useful in other card games and maybe aren't mm-hmm. quite so useful in this particular card game um but but we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of factions and uh and make a crafting guide so if you are a newer player and you're trying to figure out kind of like what's powerful and what's relevant in the meta uh hopefully we can help you discover that a little bit today um, or at least help you avoid some potential crafting pitfalls, especially if you're newer to the game. Because I don't know about you, DBN, but I've definitely made some crafting mistakes through all of my digital card game years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's inevitable. But, uh, you know, the other thing is hopefully at least through this discussion, uh, for those of you who may not need a crafting guide, hopefully you might still get something out of it just hearing about the cards that Mark and I deem to be pretty strong and pretty essential and of course if you have other additions or if you have if you disagree with our evaluation be uh be sure to get in the discord and tell us about it tell us what you think are the essential cards uh because uh you know we don't we don't know everything we're not perfect and uh, we also are our opinions are always uh marred by our experiences uh, so, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, but hopefully it'll be useful to we've we've had quite a few newer players jump at the discord lately. So hopefully this will be at least a good thought exercise for them, which is the perfect opportunity to plug our discord. Um, so uh, so you should definitely uh, you should definitely join our discord. Um, and there's a link in uh, in the in the description of the episode. You can uh, grab that link. Uh, and come and join us over on Discord. It's a great community, and we have had some new people, and we are looking towards announcing uh, in the beginning of February the next season of the Discord League, which the only way to be part of the Discord League is, of course, to be in the Discord, because that's what the League is That's what the league is for. Um, but mm. uh, but DBN, what have you been playing uh, in Legends of Runeterra this week? Just like, have you, have you gotten a chance to get a couple of games in? If you have, like, what have you been experimenting with? What have you been playing? I have to make a confession. Not many games this week. I did not boot it up this week. Oh uh, no, the whole week. Not not no the whole week. Yeah, which is funny because I played so much the two weeks before. Yeah. Uh, but this week, I mean, I literally just opened my level one chest. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's so crazy. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the week's been busy and I think I also just needed a little, I mean, I played so much the two weeks before, I think I just needed a breather, you know? Um, I mean, I was following a lot of the news and like watching, I watched some YouTube videos, but I didn't play any, um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I just, I just don't have the, I also like my whole weekend, I was basically never in my apartment all weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, that's usually when I get a lot of games in, you know, Saturday morning or something like that. Uh, but, uh, I basically was, was out of my apartment just constantly doing stuff. <laughs> so, uh, which is cool, but also means, uh, no time to play LOR. <laughs> well, I did actually get some opportunity to play LOR this week, uh, which, uh, really had a great time in the game this week, actually. And, uh, uniquely enough, because for me, like I've never been a much of a draft player, um, but I really enjoy the drafting in LOR, um, and, and maybe maybe that's because not a lot of people do it, so maybe it's not as competitive as it has been in other card games that I've played, but um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So I played a ton of Expedition this week. I did not queue up a single game with a crafted deck or, you know, like a, a formalized deck. Everything that I played this week, I actually played so many uh, that I ran out, like I couldn't use my tokens. I was like free playing or huh. whatever. Um, and part yeah. of that was also because you get the you know towards playing or getting wins in expedition you unlock those uh prismatic uh chests that can give you that give you a prismatic card so mm-hmm. i unlocked my rare prismatic chest this week um and that one of course will give you a rare card and it double upgraded to a champion prismatic oh my chest. god double that's amazing upgraded. and i got a really soul off of that which is that's such a good one really really cool and then today because it reset i jumped back in with a token and i finished my epic prismatic chest and it upgraded again and i got lux so i ended up getting a really soul and lux this that is week, so crazy which is awesome like it was a really good week for prismatics and i think i got my chest to like level 11 or 12 which was higher than i've actually gotten it to since the new year um not for any particular reason other than like i don't have anything to get like there's no like i opened up my level 11 chest and i got a champion wild card an expedition token a rare wild card an uncommon wild card and then shards because i have a hundred percent of the collection at this point so now i'm just waiting for new things to be released and i hit like a hundred and 30,000 shards or something today and so uh i was like well you know like there's not always a lot of initiative for me to play because i'm a collector um and that's one of my major major draws for card games is is a collector i'm not much of a ladder grinder um i like playing but i'm, I'm well aware that being a father and and everything else that i have going on in life i'm never really going to have the t- it's not that the, i lack the skill to necessarily hit the top of or at least you know into masters not the top of masters not that i lack the skill to get into masters i lack the time to be able to do it no matter how skilled i am um because there's just a certain amount of randomness and grindiness to any card game because you know at best you're looking at you know like a 55 or a 57 percent win rate with a deck so that's a lot of games to grind up uh to get to you know masters or, or whatever have you there'll come a time in life when i have the ability to do that but this particular season is not that time so uh, but i had a lot of fun i like i said i played a lot of expeditions i had two seven win runs um actually just today probably about an hour before we started recording i had a seven win run with a trundle garen deck 
um, that ran, uh, I think it's like called Pack Mentality, maybe. Um, I have to, I, I'm looking, I'll look at it uh, right now, but it's the seven mana card that gives everything, um, yeah, Pack Mentality plus two, plus two, and Overwhelm. And that card is really, really good in Expedition. Um, <laughs> maybe not so good in, you know, standard play or ladder play, but in Expedition, that card is really strong because your opponent isn't thinking about it. I did get beat out one game, though, uh, right towards the end of my run. It, it like, beat me out. I was on game six and uh, i had lost one came back to game six again and got beat and i got beat by heart of the fluff a 22 uh-huh. a 22 it was like a 22 18 um a poro with elusive and overwhelm uh, <laughs> and there was just nothing that i could do against it that never feels That's good. crazy getting beat by heart of the fluff never no. feels good whether in expedition or not in expedition uh, the guy just had the, the the great draw, and his whole deck had to have been or like he never played anything but Braum and Poros like the whole time. <laughs> it's just tons and tons of Poros, uh, which was a little disappointing for me. Naturally, yeah, a little disappointing to lose that way because I had him at one health too. I had him at one health, and I was just waiting to be able to. And it looked like three rounds. I couldn't squeak out that last point of damage <laughs> because of all every Poro he dropped was a three, three because of two Poro snacks. And so I just couldn't get through and then just beat me up with heart of the fluff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Definitely, definitely hard, hard to lose that way. Um, but, uh, I want to go ahead and just take a quick second and say thank you to all of our patrons, all of our patrons, all of our patrons. Jeez. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> over at patreon.com slash legends cast. I don't remember if we thank this person yet, but Christopher E, um, was one of our latest patrons, Christopher E. Thank you for supporting us guys. If you support us over yeah. at, pa- yeah, Christopher, if you support us over at, uh, patreon.com, you get access to the mulligan, which is a side show that we do every other week um, that you only get access to if you're a patron and this week we're going to be recording an episode called the three um the three tips that we have for new dungeon masters so if you're a dungeon and dragons player and you're thinking about getting into dming or dungeon mastering or game mastering we're going to do three tips each uh, on how uh, just for new new gms um and then uh also you get access to the patreon uh tab in our discord server everyone can be on discord but the patrons get access to one specific channel um and we also give away a right now a legends cast etched pint glass every month to one of our patreon supporters which we'll be doing a drawing for our pint glass next week actually um so yeah if you want to support us a dollar a month 25 cents an episode patreon.com slash legends cast uh is the way to do that um, but that's enough about all of that. We're, we, we, we cut through the banter pretty quick this week, DBN. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, sometimes we have a lot of banter. Sometimes we have a little banter. We always have some banter. The reality is sometimes we don't want to talk about LOR. And so we just banter for half the episode. That's true. Yeah. Some, yeah sometimes, yeah, we do no <laughs> LOR discussion and everyone's like, why are we listening to this? Yeah. They have uh, no idea. These guys are just talking about whatever they want to for the first 25 minutes. Yeah, they're just really misrepresenting their podcast. But this time, that will not be the case. No, we're going to talk about LOR this time. But let's uh, let's jump to our short topic conversation first. Showtime! 
Okay, guys, our short topic this week is deck name game. Um, so if you don't know how to play that, what we do is we look in our deck name game channel, which currently in our Discord is under not other games, uh, not podcast discussion discussion so under the podcast discussion side you can go to deck name game you can submit your deck with your deck code i think that you have to like it i don't know like you you put like a a greater than sign and then deck and then put your deck code it will it'll publish your deck in the discord and then let us know what the name of your deck is and if we like your name and we like the deck we typically just go to the channel and choose one out of here you know like once a month maybe Mm -hmm. um so this month we have one that actually came from a little bit a while just a, like a while ago actually um and uh, dbn why don't you tell us whose it is and what the name of it is absolutely so for our winner of this week's uh deck name game i guess probably this month probably too uh it's yep. going to be silent sith uh with the silent submission sith. of silent sith with the submission of yum snow cones and uh yum snow cones is a frailyard and bilgewater list utilizing the combination of ash and tom kench as well as the howling abyss as a late game win condition it has a million and one freezes uh and plenty of ways to benefit off it uh not just rhyme tusk shaman of course uh or excuse me rhyme fang wolf uh, and Ash, but Tom Kench also being able to munch on some tasty, tasty uh, creatures is pretty nice, too. Um, it, it, it's worth mentioning that it's also an Omen Hawk Starlet Seer Bubble Bear list because the yeah. only bilge guards that are in this deck are three Tom Kench and three Bubble Bears in case your Starlet Seer hits your Bubble Bear a bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty mean, mean, pretty fun, but I mean, the fun being the biggest thing. And, you know, when you have the Howling Abyss uh, and that many freezes, like you, there's always that chance you get to that end game. Obviously, with so many freezes like Brittle Steels, Caught in the Cold Shatter, Flash Freeze, Harsh Winds, like you're going to have plenty of ways to freeze things so that Ash will come down leveled up uh, at least later on in the game. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it absolutely looks like a blast. And more than anything, it just gets me, uh, it just it just makes me laugh, uh, just the combination. And I think it's been theorycrafted and stuff before. I'm sure someone's tried it. But I just love the idea of uh, of, of picturing a frozen enemy and Tom Kench coming down and eating a, it like a snow cone. Yeah. Uh, the imagery is just exquisite. I love it. And for the record, like, I think this one was actually posted before the last time we did this, because this was all, like, if you're looking for this, guys, you're coming to our channel, it's all the way back in December, on the December the 10th, but it did not win Deck Name Game last time, but it was one that we just really loved, and we had just kept our eye on, uh, one that we ended up going back to, not that there aren't some really great deck names, uh, and, and really great decks that got posted here, um, uh, that we could certainly, uh, have talked about there, but there's, if you're, if you're in interested in having your deck you know highlighted here a good way to do it is just to go to deck name game post your list if you're like well i don't want to post it because i don't know how far back you'll look we just went back to december the 10th it's like a, a over a yeah. month ago a month and yeah. 11 days ago so we do go back and look through to find ones that we like that we maybe haven't highlighted before yeah so yeah y'all don't have to worry about that and and really it's all just for fun anyways there's no prize or anything besides getting your getting a little shout out on the show uh and your deck will get linked in the description but uh it's just a fun little way for us to to interact with you guys and 
and uh, show you that we're paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I will say that Six Summit also, like, just just to bring attention to it, has posted a really crazy list, a Zoe Heimerdinger Aurelian Soul list. It's just kind of nuts um, because it's like so many one and two ofs. There's only three Zoe, three Ballistic Bot, three Sump Dredger. Everything else, I guess there's three Pale Cascade because why would you not have three Pale Cascade? Everything else is a one or a two of, and then it runs Subpersible. And uh, he said that it has like a crazy good win rate right now. So if you were looking for a deck that's like truly kind of wild and creative, um, that you're going to be able to do a little bit of uh, invoking and a lot of removal and just stuff that your opponent wasn't expecting, maybe swing over and check out Six Summits deck over there in uh, in deck name game as well i'm not going to say what the name of it is because there's a chance that we might come back uh and and highlight it in the future but yeah once again if you have a deck don't be afraid to go over um come up with a fun and creative name that make me and dbn laugh and uh and it may get uh, highlighted in a future episode on our miniature deck name game segment yeah well yeah, guys no, what that should be fun dbn let's go ahead and then we're gonna jump straight in uh right into our main segment for tonight time for the main event okay guys our main segment for tonight is actually taking a look at our first crafting guide for lor so we have i don't know what i think that uh, june is when we're seeing the next expansion am i right about that might be before that might be like may, um, april or may i think it's i think it's like april or may yeah 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 i think it, i think that you're right i think it's like april or may but anyway uh what we wanted to do was we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the cards that are coming out because we actually do have you know a little bit of time um before we're going to be getting like a big infusion of cards of course uh really just february 3rd just a, like a week away we're gonna a week and a half away we're gonna be getting a philios um but then uh in oh it's in march actually in march so almost like a month and a half a month and a half away we're going to be getting uh the empires of the ascended expansion um i don't know why i thought that was june there, there has to be like they didn't even predict anything out as far as june but i like i'm so used to other card games taking six months to give me new cards uh that was surprised that this is March, but we do have about a month. So you might be able to kind of build up a collection over the next like six weeks. And, uh, and you might be wondering what, what should I be crafting? So when we get a chance, we're going to look at various factions and talk about what you may want to craft. And, uh, and tonight we're going to start specifically with frail yord. Um, and we're going to look at, uh, different, different types of cards uh, and kind of like what we think is safe. Um, and DBN, why don't you start us off and just give us a little bit of an idea of kind of like what goes into your head when you're thinking about either a crafting or B giving a crafting guide, because LOR is a really interesting game to be giving a crafting guide for. Yeah, it's definitely not. Um, hmm. I, I don't want it to make it sound like this is a silly discussion uh, because it's definitely one that we're going to have a lot of fun with. But the simple truth is that unlike a lot of other games, which I felt like it, they all benefited from crafting guides heavily. Um, this is not Hearthstone uh, or Tessel or Gwent where you are really hard pressed for in-game resources, at least as a free-to-play player. And that's the origin of crafting guides. The idea that as a free-to-play player, your resources are very pressed and you want to make sure that if you're playing competitively uh, or at least wanting to put together strong decks consistently, that you don't waste those materials on things that are either 
uh, one-dimensional cards or meme cards or you know maybe cards that are cool in in theory but don't always pan out. You you want to especially as a new player or even just a player that follows the trends and isn't as much of a deck builder. Um, know what you're crafting and make sure that it's going to be something that you'll actually use because by crafting that you're delaying crafting something else. That's where crafting guides kind of originated. Now, LOR is such a generous game and it's something that we and so many other people have praised this game for is how generous it is in giving you stuff. Now, we have pretty much all the cards, um, but that's because we've been playing since like beta. So, you know, it's we're in a different position from many of the other people uh, in our community that maybe picked it up and started playing like uh, Gibbles and Bits, for instance, uh, started playing uh, right as Bilgewater released. And so he still doesn't have all the champions, right? He's getting close, but he doesn't have them all. Um, and so for those people that are coming in as newer players or are still trying to catch up on their uh, collections, the idea of a crafting guide is just to give them an idea of what cards uh, are good, what cards uh, can be avoided, um, and, and generally, we're going to approach this from a region standpoint um, and say, here's like kind of those key uh, staple cards. And for those of you that are maybe newer to card games in general, staple cards are the cards that like they go in almost every deck uh, of those factions. Um, and so we're, we'll go over that. But um, just taking the idea of saying of letting people who've played this game quite a bit um, just give you some input. You don't have to take it. We're not by any means saying that uh, our, you know, opinions on these things are gospel. We're just saying here is what we think are, you know, cards that are worthwhile to add to your collection sooner rather than later. And that that's the key there. Sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think the other thing that's important to note too, a lot of other card games might take six months or four months to be able to do a balance update and when they do those balance updates a lot of times they're not really heavy-handed um or maybe they're really really heavy-handed uh, it, it sort of fluctuates between the two and then in addition to that you oftentimes get your crafting stuff back um for whatever they either nerfed or changed um in this case lor is such a generous game that one of the things they do not do is giving you your crafting resources back so let's say for example um you really want Wanted to uh, you really wanted to play Lucian right now because he's strong in a specific deck. You used a champion wild card to craft Lucian, and next week they nerfed Lucian, and now he's not really playable in the deck that you wanted to play him in. Maybe because he had been reworked or just been hit mm -hmm. so hard with the with the nerf hammer. Um, you're not going to get that champion wild card back in this game, but keeping in mind that they often and have been known to uh, adjust cards back up in specific metas when they wanted to see a champion or a specific card see more play. So when I go through the crafting guide, um, one of the other things to also note is that uh, LOR is a very synergistic game, right? Yeah. And so although I would never say that one of the staple cards in, uh, in Bilgewater uh, for example, uh, is the one mana one one common that lets you toss four. And I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, the dredge, the, uh, yeah, dredge dredgers. Dredge dredgers. Um, when I'm summoned, toss three. I'm sorry, toss three, one mana one one. However, if you were creating a deck with Nautilus and you really wanted to play a Nautilus deck, this is a must-have card. It's a super central card. So I will mention some cards that are going to be really central to very specific archetypes types um but then i'm also going to make sure that i mention cards that really go in any deck that features this faction we're going to go through 
each rarity champion epic common or rare and common um knowing that we're probably not going to speak extensively about common cards unless they are really tried and true staples of a particular region that go in almost every single deck that features that region um because common cards are just very very easy to come by in lor and they're very cheap to craft so for the most part you really don't need a crafting guide for common cards unless you are literally brand new to this game so starting off with Freljord and specifically starting off with champions, DBN, I want to hear your opinion of what you think in terms of a crafting guide for champions. And real quick, there's Ash, Brom, Trundle, Anivia, Sejuani, and Trindamir, who are currently champions uh, in uh, in Freljord for LOR. Yeah, um, when I look at the champions in Freljord, and actually I'm going to say this, uh, just preface my opinion on Freljord as a region right now. Uh, Freljord, I think, is one of the toughest to diagnose regions because uh, they have like three or four archetypes that are vastly different and don't use a lot of the same cards. Um, That's very which true. Which is both cool, but also means we're starting with kind of a tough region, in my opinion. Um, but I think this is a region that Mark and I both have a lot of experience in. Uh, and so I, I feel like we're we're it's a good warm up for us because uh, it's something that we're pretty familiar with most of the cards in here. Uh, if I'm looking at the champions, there's six champions, Ash, Brom, Trundle, Anivia, Sejuani, and Trindamir. Uh, the first thing is I want to preface just champions by saying the champions that you pull from like champion, you know, packs on your, uh, on your region paths that you pull from your end of the week, uh, you know, um, crates and whatnot that should dictate probably what you craft uh crafting champions with wild cards if you're if you're really playing hard and getting to level 10 each week then you're gonna have those wild cards and you are gonna need to spend them but what i did when i started playing this game uh is just see which ones i randomly pulled and then build around that um so there's a little bit of kind of that that's a good way to start thinking about it um because most champions have a deck that can be played around them I think the bigger thing with champions is to say which ones not to craft, if I'm be if I'm being honest. Because they're all build around cards, you know? Um, yes, I agree with that. And I think and so I the what I want to say is the the champs not to craft is uh in, in Freljord is probably Anivia. I I would not recommend crafting Anivia uh unless something changes in the future. Anivia is already a little bit of an underwhelming card. There's been like you know, phases where Anivia has been good. Um, but Anivia requires very specific combinations to work. Uh, and it, those are pretty expensive combinations uh, where you're combining Anivia uh, with Shadow Isles, playing a, a control deck with lots of rares and epics being used. So I would recommend steering clear of Anivia when you're just starting out. Um, the other one I would say you probably don't need to craft would be uh, Trendemir. And maybe maybe Braum. Now I think Braum happens to be one of the most enjoyable champions to play in this entire game. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I think the three strongest and most flexible champions, Ash, Sejuani, and Trundle, those are all pretty safe if you think you have an idea for a direction to go with that. Now Trendomir can be paired with Trundle, but uh Trundle can also pair with a lot of other champions and archetypes. Absolutely. So I don't feel like you need Trendomir uh to play Trundle. Whereas I feel like you need Trundle to play Trendemir, if that if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, oh, go ahead, keep going, keep going. 
Yeah, no. Uh, and then Sejuani, I feel like maybe has been sleeping for a while. Like, I feel like Sejuani is better than the amount of decks she's currently being played in. Um, but if you want, if you're just starting out and you're okay with kind of like just trying things out and just going for a raw value good card, like a card that's just generally good on all fronts, even if it's maybe not a super crazy, you know, build around card, I think Sejuani is just very strong in a bubble can go can slot into other decks if you just need to go and and you know fill something out with a couple champions uh i think sejuani is probably just in a bubble i think sejuani is the best champion in frail yard yeah bubble uh i i can agree with that so when i'm when i was thinking about champions and like a crafting guide for champions which is is really the cards that are the hardest to get in this game although it ended up being that i had all of the champions way before I had all the rares. The rares ended up being one of the ones that I had to be the most picky and choosy with when I was crafting, um, at least initially. Um, I wanted to look at this and say, first off, when it comes to champions in LOR, craft and play what seems the most fun and enjoyable to you. Most of these cards, unless you're playing up in Diamond and Masters tier, are viable in some kind of deck. Um, some are not, but most of them are. And, and I think that every one of these Freljord card champs can be played um, with a moderate level of success, especially if you're playing down in Silver, Gold, or Lower. Um, but then I also want to say there are always a couple of cards that may look more appealing than what they actually are. And I want to warn you that maybe even in this particular era of LOR, these could be trap cards, cards that you craft and you would regret. And for me, the two that you might craft and regret are Anivia and Braum. Um, and so oh, hating on my mustache boy. Yeah, I know that you have a particular liking towards Braum, and I do understand that Braum, if he had one attack still, that would be different. But because he's been yeah. nerfed back down to a zero five for four mana, I just don't think that Braum is a particularly viable card to play right now. And I think if you crafted him and you were a new player and your first deck you built was a Braum deck, you might be really discouraged because you so consistently lost, not knowing that Poro's Braum oh. is kind of a meme. Oh okay um, here okay okay yes hold on though i have to interject by saying i hate running into braum on ladder because if you don't have specific answers he can just auto win the game he can be so, difficult to deal with there is no so doubt about I, I, that. I do i think that you you do have to heavily build around braum so like there's that you know similar to anivia you you have to heavily build around and you kind of have to force anivia to work i think braum's a little better than that now that he summons a mighty poro but I, I cede your point that maybe it's it's a even though it's really fun, it's definitely not like top tier right now. Yeah, my tier two build around cards for for Freljord are Trindamir and Ash, specifically because they both are build around cards. There's never going to be a deck that you want to just throw Trindamir in. However, there are some decks like Feel the Rush, even the Targon's Peak deck, and War Mother's Call, who all run Trindamir with a great deal of success. Because if you can cheat out Trindamir or multiple Trindamirs, Turns out he's pretty stinking strong. Ash is really similar. In fact, you're going to get Ashes towards the beginning of the game, but Ash is seriously best played in a combo style deck. And if you're not a combo player or you're new to card games, combo decks can be a bit confusing. Although Ash's combo is relatively straightforward, um, she is not necessarily a card I would go and chase down unless you're coming from a game like Hearthstone where you were playing Freeze Mage or something like that that comboed out to win the game. And even that 
this deck plays a lot different than freeze mage because you're not winning with burn spells in hand you're winning with a powerful board that's incapable of blocking my top tier these are the cards that i think are staples in frail yard and i think honestly out of all of the factions in the game they may be two of the biggest staple cards in the game in terms of you can throw these into a deck and splash failure in and not feel bad about not building around them at all. And that's Sejuani and Trundle. Sejuani and Trundle, specifically when Trundle was a, like a 4-6 or whatever, like it was just crazy. Like you could just play a mono deck and then throw three trundles in and feel really good about it because he levels himself up sejuani doesn't level herself up naturally like you do want to build around her a little bit but she's so stinking strong on six because you can frostbite and get something vulnerable um that uh, that she is uh, in my opinion one of the better champions in the game right now um even if you're not seeing her like there's a couple of of not i wouldn't call them oppressive decks but there's a couple of pretty strong decks in the invoke category and she's particularly weak against just being obliterated by invoke cards um, but i do think that trundle and sejuani are the two safest crafts keeping in mind that if you have a specific type of deck or champion that you want to play you can also go that direction yeah I think cool. that, yeah, that, no, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, Ep epics. There's, there's a, there's not a ton. There's what twelve epics or so for each faction. Um, yes, DBN. If you have anything final to say about uh, about champs, go ahead and then jump us into. No, the epic I, I've cards. already, I've already defended my boy. So. Yeah, you jumped in there. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so <laughs> frail yord epic cards. Take a look at those, and do you see one or any that are like must haves, like staple cards? I mean, in typical card games, epics aren't that, right? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, no, epics are niche. You'll find that in uh, LOR, epics are niche but powerful, and I think that that's exactly what you see when you look at this. Uh, although not all of them are powerful. Um, you know, there's build arounds in these epics. So you have Scar Grounds, Howling Abyss, Feel the Rush, and War Mother's Call. Each of those are a build around card. Uh, so I don't, I can't, de I definitely can't give them like the staple tag, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because, you know, you, you, again, we're trying to give people the idea of what cards um, are going to be useful in, in potentially in multiple decks. Uh, or have you know wider utility as a crafting guide, and and we've already said it's a little harder in LOR, uh, but they exist, and so I, I just don't think any of these qualify. I will say, uh, feel the rush and War Mother's Call and Howling Abyss. Each of those is basically like a champion. Um, now, feel the rush requires champions, and War Mother's Call is better with champions, right? But they're of that quality of card in terms of they, they are extremely extremely impactful. They're game winning uh cards in and of themselves they you know um and so there's a lot of interesting stuff to be done with each of them um so i think that it's valid to say like consider those like champions view them as such and when if you find one if you get one pulled then you maybe consider crafting a second or third one um because then you have a play set and can then do something with them having just one copy of of those three probably isn't going to be as good maybe two, maybe two copies of howling abyss is all you need but but feel the rush warm of this call you're structuring your deck to take the biggest advantage out of those um and so i i think that like i would never craft just one of them because if you're mm -hmm. crafting one of them you probably want two or three of them um obviously i think same with scar grounds but to a lesser extent scar grounds is a really big play around card for a popular but not top tier deck um 
everything else i would just never craft yeah if you pull it there are niche uses for some of these cards but most of them are bad i i would have said in beta i would have said avaros and Hearthguard, but that card has fallen off big time over the last yep. year so uh, I would say nothing else is worth really crafting in here. Yeah, it's funny. I said the exact, I'm thinking literally the exact same thing. Scar Grounds, the Howling Abyss, Feel the Rush, War Mother's Call. Um, War Mother's Call and Feel the Rush is a very specific type of deck that uh, that if you're into playing something that sort of cheats out big, like survives, controls the game, yeah. and cheats out big boys, grind your opponent out of the game, either of those cards are safe crafts if that's your play style, right? Howling Abyss is a really fun card that is uniquely also relatively good it's not competitive in terms of high-end competition scar grounds is a build around cards so if you know that that's what you want to play and it's a you it's a must-have for the decks that run it right um it's it's a yeah. build around and i thought the same exact thing i looked at it and i wouldn't craft any of these with the exception of if for whatever reason you're obsessed with the poros braum deck aurora porealis goes in that deck and, uh, and Averroth and Heartguard, which used to be one of my favorite cards in the game, um, has it, it, the I think the reality is is that Averroth and Heartguard in beta and even initially in the Bilgewater expansion was strong and saw a decent amount of play, um, but has fallen off simply because of the amount of champions that are now in the five and six slot that you True. almost never want to play this guy. It this guy was is, is a classic card that in beta or closed beta was strong, and as more cards got released into the game and there were better options available at five you just don't end up running him it uh, definitely is a, a bit of a trap card for newer players though because i think they look at the idea of oh my gosh all of my allies yeah. the rest of the game get plus one plus one but what you have to consider is that like he can only come out starting at turn five and most games end around like eight or nine or at least are decided by eight or nine so you know you're you're not going to get you see the value that he generates the value that he generates is massive but it's drawn out over so many turns that you know it's hard to really let him realize that and there's better options at five that do something immediately for you i will say to your point on aurora porealis even if you do play brahmin poros don't craft this until you've gotten you've you've played a little bit of it uh, because like the last the best one that you craft <laughs> Yeah, the best Poro deck I've ever played and built, which I literally, I legitimately still think is a, a sleeper ladder deck. Like I think it's a sleeper list. Every time I played on ladder, I crushed with it. Um, but it doesn't run Aurora Porealis because it's actually more of an aggro list. Um, so you know, I would stay way away from any of the uh, other epics than the ones that we mentioned. Yeah, than the those four very specifically. Uh, yeah, and Avaros and Hearth are definitely a trap card. Uh, let's yeah. move on to rares, and I think that the rare piece is a very interesting one in this game because the mm. rares is where you really get into the cards that um, are sort of strong synergistic cards that enable in like a lot of cards in the rare slot enable yeah. what you want to do for your win con with your champions and uh that's definitely true in uh in this set of rare cards specifically um and there's a lot more of them of course to go through we're not going to highlight maybe every single one that we think could be good but there are definitely some to avoid um dbn well, what are you thinking oh go ahead and the thing to remember with rare cards especially is, um, again, like you will be trying to use your wild cards and stuff on them. Um, and the key for this is not targeting cards that are going to be staples, but rather if you see a list that has these, knowing whether or not it's a card that uh, 
uh, is only played in that archetype or that has broader or more consistent strength, right? So like, cause sometimes as a newer player, you look at a list and it looks really fun, but you don't know what cards of those will appear in other lists. Um, you know, so like if you looked at a list and saw Poro Herder, you'd say, wow, that's really important for this deck, but is it used in other lists? And you'd have to say no. Um, and so again, we're we're just trying to help those newer players or the players that are trying to you know get caught up, uh, you know, know what cards are better to craft sooner rather than later. It's, I just really want to keep stressing that. That it's not that there's that these cards can't have value. It's just the the ones that are going to see more value quicker and are going to get you those wins a little bit faster. Absolutely. So DBN, what are some of the rare cards that you see that are sort of must-haves uh, potentially inside of inside of rare uh, in, inside of the rare cards for Freljord? And I, I think you know are, are, we're going to have a pretty similar list here as well. Yeah. So I have uh, I, 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 I have two tiers for this. I have must-haves and wants, like cards that are good but maybe like not quite as like wide-reaching. Um, but that are still really, really strong and have been either proven to be strong over time, such that I believe that they'll come back and, and fluctuate in and out of the meta, which is always a good craft. If you know something has come into the meta, come out, come back in, that's when you know the card in and of itself is strong. It just needs the right combination of cards around it. Um, so for, for must-haves, I only have two. Um, mm -hmm. I have Avalanche. Yep. And I have uh, Harsh Winds. Yep. Um, so Avalanche is a four mana slow spell that deals two to all units. It's one of the only board uh, AOE board clears in the game. Uh, and as such, there are always the decks that are going to come over to Frail Yord. They want to play really slow. If there's a meta with a lot of like, you know, board spamming, you know, lists that are flooding the board with cheap guys that with little defense, everyone wants to come back to Avalanche. Avalanche will always have a place in this game. It may not always be as a three-by, but it's a good, good card, a safe craft. And I think it can be played in a lot more decks than it even is played in. Um, I've played it in like some mid-range board-centric decks even when I need to come back onto the board. It's a little bit of a uh, bailout card in those situations. But, you know, still, it's got enough wide-reaching implications. Freyard is one of the best kind of slower, controlly uh, regions in the game. So go ahead and craft Avalanche if you think that, especially if you think that control is going to be, or combo is going to be your cup of tea, because you're going to be using Avalanche quite a bit. Same with Harsh Winds. Uh, six mana burst spell, Frostbite, two enemies. Like, uh, that has, I, I know it seems expensive for what it does, but at burst speed, it is absolutely essential. Uh, and, and I'll find myself slapping one or two copies in, in pretty much anything. It can save you uh, from getting lethal, if you know you're gonna, if you're playing a control deck, you can basically for six mana say, "I don't take ten damage this turn." That's really strong. You can also use it to trick trades to make sure that your guys either live when they play something uh, in combat, or make sure that you, uh, you know, don't, you know, make sure that those enemy guys, uh, you know, don't end up getting the kill or don't push damage, and it's flexible enough because it can hit two people, so you can trick one trade, you know, absorb the damage off of the other. It's just so flexible, so strong, and at burst speed, it can't be countered. Uh, so just, yeah, nutso card. Those are the only two I would say are staples, but uh, what, what do you think are staples? 
I, I the exact same too. Um, as I look through this list, it's interesting because I'm gonna say there. I'm gonna go with you when you go with your wants. I'm gonna go with the two that I think are must-haves uh, from rares here, which is Avalanche and Harsh Winds for all the same reasons. Then when you give your wants, I'm gonna give the list of never craft these. They're never gonna be in any deck. They're traps. Don't do not craft them uh, <laughs> unless okay. you suddenly see something. So what are your list of wants? Cause we, we have the same exact two must haves. I, I literally don't see another card in, in frail yard that I would be like, Oh yeah. Like you definitely like rim fang wolf was the case uh, once again, beta, but, since yep. then there's been too many new combat tricks that have been published or or have been released um that can uh, counter your rimfang wolf which is why he's just no longer what he once was you know yeah, yeah he, no he he's a he's a want though right rimfang wolf is mm-hmm. amazing i i really love the card i find myself wanting to play around rimfang wolf more than ash uh honestly uh so yeah uh, the wolf is great that's a want card it is it is essential uh, I think for uh, a lot of freeze decks, especially with Ash, it's the perfect pairing. It comes down right before Ash. Uh, you can challenge the thing that Ash is going to frostbite if you're attacking on evens. Uh, really, really, really good card. A little bit vulnerable in the back end, but as we'll get to with commons, there's a lot of ways to protect your uh, cards cheaply in uh, in Frail Yord. So Rhymefang Wolf, if you if you stock up a mana or two over turns one and two you're going to be able to protect it it's not going to get hit into trade if you're playing it correctly and challenger even if you don't freeze the thing you're going for challenger is just really strong um other wants would be flash freeze very simple card three mana burst frostbite an enemy it's good to have one or two of these in collections it's basically half of a harsh winds um and while harsh winds is a little bit stronger uh, i think flash freeze is still sometimes worth running a copy or two of um, I love Starlet Seer, which is more of a combo-y card, but can also be used as just utility because of his 2-mana two 2-3 two, body. 2-mana two 2-3 two, is an excellent stat block for a 2-drop. Um, you're never sad to see it. And he's got a useful effect, which, you know, even if you get one use out of it, if you're dying to put a 2-drop in, you can't figure out what to put in, you can just put Starlet Seer in if you're running a couple spells. Um, Ember Maiden, I'm a lot higher on than maybe other people but it's it's kind of come in and out pairs really nicely with sejuani pairs really nicely with um the uh scar grounds and the other uh self damage units which are now kind of coming into it they're just they're a little hot right now they're popular i don't think they're like super strong but they're popular and it's a lot of fun uh, it's a very fun archetype to play and also can be used nicely with like Bilgewater. So I used to have a really pretty strong Bilgewater list uh, with Freljord that would be like Ember Maiden with Gangplank. Uh, felt pretty good. Um, and then I guess the only other one I would say uh, would be They Who Endure. That's a want for sure because They Who Endure actually is a build-around archetype card uh, that pairs usually with Shadow Isles to be a big-time finisher in an aggressive Shadow Isles list. So it's not really used... For a frail yard centric list, but it's still a strong, strong card. Uh, so that would be in my wants category. Yeah, uh, they who endure. The, it's literally the same exact five cards that I would have labeled for wants. We have we have very similar nice. thoughts. Um, well, see, this get- is why this is why I, uh, we were talking about this. We were like, which which region should we do first? And I'm like, we've played a lot of frail yard. Maybe we do the one where we'll probably be in accordance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're definitely in accordance here. Um, cards that you should never craft are not going to make it probably in any deck, and are uh, could potentially be traps to a new player. Uzgar the Ancient, an eight mana seven seven with challenger and regen. You might think that's good. It's not. 
not. Um, it, it, it that stares is a new card. It has not found a place. I don't think it's going to find a place. Um, Battle Fury. I, I think it might someday. You think it might someday? I like its effect. That <laughs> Battle Fury, pack mentality, uh, Ice Yeti, Ancient Yeti, Scar Maiden Reaver. Um, and then I think the last one is just caught in the cold. Um, all of those cards, uh, there, there's some in there that are kind of like niche that might enable a very specific archetype. Um, but that, those are the cards that I would definitely avoid in the rare slot. There's a couple of Poro cards in there that you would never craft unless you're playing Poros. But, um, you know, I, I think that that, that bout covers the ones that I would just never, ever craft intentionally yeah anyway. yeah not not gonna lie i have slapped a battle fury in a couple lists like a single copy of battle fury in a few lists and not regretted it but i wouldn't craft it yeah that's what i'm saying like i just never would yeah. craft it i would just wait yeah. to open it and experiment wait to open with one. it yeah exactly so uncommons uh these are the green cards the easiest to get there's a lot of cards in these categories and we're not going to spend a tremendous amount of time on them db and i will just both give a couple of cards that we think are probably staples in this particular set because there are a lot of very good commons in this game um, and there's a lot yeah. of very good commons specifically in frail yard so db and do you have any ones from here that you think are just kind of like yeah like if you're playing like you can pretty much bet if you're going to play frail yard these are going to go in the deck yeah, well, so so like I said, um, what I'm looking for with these commons is not actually something that's going to go in every deck, but something that you could make an argument for uh, in multiple archetypes, right? Mm -hmm. um, because there's like, if you you can play very board-centric early game Freljord, but then you can flip and play the, like the hardest control deck, and they're sure. going to play none of the same cards, right? Absolutely. But, you know, we're looking really for cards that have seen play across the year-long existence you know of runeterra uh seen play consistently have had a good success rate um and so for me uh i i think i think i have to give some respect even though people have cooled on it a little bit and it's actually been nerfed once uh i have to go with omen hawk mm -hmm. uh i have to go with uh, elixir of iron brittle steel avarosan sentry and then I also want to throw some love at Troll Chant, even though it's a newer addition. I think Troll Chant has proven itself in uh, recent months uh, to be a good alternative. I I'd say really Elixir of Iron or Troll Chant, maybe. Um, Avaros and Trapper, you've got... Um, I get, actually, that might be it. I was really tempted to say Babbling Bjerg, but that's a very specific card, so I wouldn't craft Babbling Bjerg. Yeah. So, yeah. Avaros and Trapper, Troll Chant, uh, I'd say Avaros and Sentry, Omen Hawk, Elixir of Iron, Brittle Steel. We have a very similar list. Um, I think that these cards that I'm going to say could be staples in a lot of different lists and cards that you're going to play often if you're playing Freljord. My list is going to be Omen Hawk, Elixir of Iron, Avaros and Sentry, Troll Chant, uh, Avarosin Trapper, and then I'm going to throw two additional ones that are niche, but for an archetype that is very popular and one that gets played a lot, which is going to be Weirding Stones and Catalyst of Aeons, which are going to be two of your ramp cards that are going to be really popular in um, in that in that uh, call, Feel the Rush or um, 
the uh, War, War Mother's call list, you're going to want to run Ramp, and Ramp is going to be a popular archetype if you're coming from another card game, um, specifically if you're coming from Hearthstone and you played Druid and you cheated stuff out. Uh, this is going to be the closest to that if you loved that, and the Catalyst and the Weirding Stones are going to be cards for that. I didn't label Brittle Steel, although I think that Brittle Steel is a really, really good card in probably maybe the best Frostbite trick. Um, and it does see play in a couple of different archetypes. It has seen play in like a Fiora list. Um, and it does see play, of course, in Ash lists along with Ice Veil Archer. Uh, I just didn't label it because I was like, it does seem like it's most likely going to be played in an Ash deck. And if you're not playing Ash, maybe you don't want it. But that could be wrong. I mean, on a, a lot of decks that you're going to play Freljord in, you're probably going to throw at least one Brittle Steel into it. I might just say that if you're, for whatever reason, are short enough on crafting materials that you can't craft as many commons as you want, um, that two brittle steels is probably safer than three. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the I, cost of I, crafting yeah. isn't significant either. For sure. Brittle steel, elixir of iron and troll chant all fill the same role. And so if you have none of them craft a couple of them, mm -hmm. you know, craft two or three copies or maybe one of each and see which one you like best. You know, uh, I don't, I don't ever run three copies of any of these. I only ever run two. And then sometimes if I decide I need more, I'll run a different one. Uh, just to give myself some variety because there are certain situations where each of those benefit you in different ways. Um, but if you have two copies of at least one of them, you probably don't need to go get the other ones. But just know that, you know, those having at least one of those tricks is essential to Frailyard decks. And almost any, at least any board-centric Frailyard, anything that's not the heaviest control list uh, is going to run at least one of these cards, mm -hmm. and usually uh, at two or three copies. So um, but the good news is you can also look at it and say, Hey, I see this list that's running, you know, uh, two troll chants. Well, I know that, you know, it may not be the best, but you could also, you know, just very suitably switch them out for elixir of irons, you know, it's totally okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so that, that's where, that's where I'm at on these, those three kind of pair together, you know, Omen Hawk is not going to get played in control, but it's going to be incredible in anything that wants to curve out or play a lot of units. In fact, a lot of some decks will go and play Freljord just for the Omen Hawk. Um, so that's just such a strong card. It's always going to be strong. Uh, Avarice and Sentries, anything that draws cards, especially cheaply draws cards, uh, is going to be pretty viable. And, and Avarice and Sentry has seen play in so many decks that, yeah, it's, it, it's in mid-range and control. It's just a very, very strong card. Um, so, and then Avros and Trapper, you know, you might look at that and that's one that I almost didn't put in my list, but it's, it's so good. It's got a little bit of delayed value, but that value is, you know, reliably going to show up in the next couple turns. So if you're a deck, as long as you're not playing a super fast aggro deck, there's always a, a pitch to put Avros and Trapper in because the swing turn in between one and three turns, when you drop a one mana five, five Yeti is significant. So um, and let's be clear, yeah. the one archetype that uh, Freljord struggles to play is really fast aggro. Um, it shines in mid-range to slower mid-range to heavy control. Um, there's not a lot of really fast aggro decks that are going to have Freljord. You're looking at Noxus, Ionia, yeah. Unless you're farming it out for Omen Hawks or They Who Endure. 
yes yeah they're yeah the they who endure list does that so okay guys that's our crafting guide for specifically frail yard and we have time today so we're also going to take a look at a crafting guide quickly for the targon region and this is the newest region one of the ones that we have some of the least experience in um and i'll go first in this one we're going to jump directly into targon with champions and one of the things that i found interesting about targon is my favorite champion is the only champion that i would say isn't real viable right now and that's Tarek. Um, Tarek is one of my favorite champions to play because he's so rewarding to get leveled up and um, it, he's really cool to play with buffs. I've really enjoyed Tarek for that reason but maybe the only one that I would say isn't like a really strong staple card in almost any deck. Once again some of these cards some of them are going to be like that could be the only trap card I think because it seems like his leveled up shiny ability is like so so good. Um, I would say that the two cards that I think are sort of niche for specifically what you want to play are going to be Siraka and Diana because Diana you are going to want to play it in a Nightfall oriented deck and if you don't want to play Nightfall then you're not going to want to craft Diana. Soraka is good only in one deck and that's Soraka Tom Kench and if you don't want to play Soraka with Tom Kench you're probably not going to want to craft Soraka. Um, I think that the next cards are on a different level than the rest of the Targon champions, which is Zoe, Leona, and Aurelian Soul. Zoe and Le Aurelian Soul specifically are just so strong because of their flexibility and versatility in the fact that they're creating cards that you're putting in your hand and you get to pick from one of three um, as you're kind of like discovering cards through the invoke ability leona is really strong because of the cards that are around her um, and she has found a place with uh, like you can take her package and splash it into a lot of other decks because her mm -hmm. package isn't huge but it's really strong so the, the good part about Leona is she can be splashed in so many places. Um, and that's what makes her a really good and strong, solid pick. If you're going to get into target and you're looking for something to craft Leona, Zoe, Aurelian soul, all of them are very good, especially if you love target and you love invoke Aurelian soul is just a really good card, really cool card. And, actually very strong right now if you want to play sort of a more controlly game um dbm what are your thoughts on the target champions uh exactly that you literally hit the nail on the head on every single one wow okay yep i have no i mean my favorite of all of these is leona i just and i think that there is something to be said for new players about getting to pick if you craft like leona and the daybreak cards and not all the daybreak cards are worth crafting at three copies but like most of them are um, if you do that, you'll be able to play pretty much anything else in the game easier if you pair it with Leona. Like Leona can go with almost anything else. Uh, you can have her be like a a you know kind of a tempo controlling option to get you to late game to play a late game card. You can have it be kind of an aggressive, you know, start. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got a lot of little units that can come in and and really pressure. You can also play it as like again, just tempo controlling mid range. Like Leona can go with more other, and not necessarily at top tier, but Leona can pair with more champions than I think any other champion in this game. Um, and so that does give you weirdly, as a new player, if you collect the Daybreak package, it can allow you to sample a lot of other champions that you may not have a fully fleshed out grouping of. Yeah. a little bit easier yeah leona can be played with yasuo leona can be played with a lot of demacia champions um can actually be played with a lot of bilge stuff as well because the stuns can allow you to get t uh, chip damage through to be able to get plunder cards off 
Um, and Leona yeah, can be I played think... in like a purely Targon list as well that gets yeah. you to your Aurelian Soul at the end of the game. Yeah, I think Leona could also, you know, arguably you could try playing it with some Bilgewater. I mean, the, the cool thing is Zenith Blade as a Daybreak card gives you Overwhelm, so you could potentially charge up, you know, uh, Sejuani or Gangplank if you want to start using one of those. Um, there's just a lot. There's just a lot you can play with. It's not saying it's the best to play with a specific card, but there's a lot that you can pair it with. And as such, I think Leona is just a really cool craft for new players. That's what I would do as a new player is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the it's going to be best for you. First, you have to know, is this are you even interested in Leona and the Leona cards? But as a new player, and knowing that I love Leona, that's where my head's at. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with that. In the epic category, it's very similar to Freljord, actually, as you're going to see in a lot of the list. It's a lot of niche cards, and then at the, the higher value you get with epics and LOR, the worse they seem to get. Um, and that's not always the case. I think there's really only two cards in this set. Uh, I'm going to give you two cards in this set that I think are state, maybe not staples, but two of the strongest cards in the epic category, and then two cards that enable very specific decks and build around um which is my two go-to ones are going to be mentor of the stones um this card is just a very strong three drop um it's not as strong in specific metas mind you in a meta where there's a lot of uh piltover and zon for example mentor of the stone is removed a bit too easily but it is a really good card in a meta that like say right now zoe lee sin is an extremely strong deck right now in the lower ladders um and mentor of the stones is probably very good in that deck the other card that i would say is the infinite mind splitter the eight mana 8-8 eight, eight, that play round start stun to uh, creatures that you pick um, is really cool. Um, you have to keep in mind that it doesn't stun them when it comes down. It stuns them at the beginning of next turn. So you have to find the right time to play this card. Um, there are a lot of uh, epics in Targon that actually aren't real great. Um, and so I think the infinite mind splitter stands above them. Maybe not high above them, but above them. Um, and the two build around cards, which I'm sure is similar to DBN's list. So I'm going to let him talk about them are the uh, are the two landmarks, uh, Targon's Peak and Starspring. Uh, but DBN, what were your thoughts on uh, crafting the epic cards for Targon? Yeah, I wouldn't craft any of these without having an idea in your head about what you're going to play. Um, I would fair. never recommend crafting Targon's Peak for two reasons. One, I think it's a stupid, obnoxious deck, which isn't going to teach you how to play the game well. Um, fair. <laughs> I, I No, seriously. No, I think it's 100% valid to argue that if we're talking to a new player who's listening to this podcast, they're probably interested in getting better at this game. Targon's Peak is not going to make you better at the game. That is like, true. Targon's Peak as an archetype is going to be funny, but you're going to not win super consistently, but the games you do win won't because you did anything particularly impressive. Yeah, you know what? I changed my mind. Targon's Peak is a trap card. It might be one of the biggest trap cards for a new player because 100%. it looks so shiny and so cool and you think you can cheat something out really strong, but you're not going to win as often as you think you are because of that. Well, I, I and, think is, Targon's Peak is a big trap. Yeah, and the other thing is it requires so many other super expensive cards to put together. Yeah. I really would not recommend that at all. Starspring, on the other hand, is interesting because it's really only playable in one deck, although there's some spin-off archetypes where like it's the it's the deck that's really strong, but like memeier or like more like really focusing in on a single aspect of that deck that's really strong. But really it's only played in one thing right now. 
who knows? Maybe in the future. I think it's a it's extremely strong by itself. You just have to pair it with some stuff that can make use of it. Um, I think Star Spring is is an okay craft, but I wouldn't really put it at the top. I will say the thing that I think in this list is is extremely underrated is Cygnus the Moonstalker. Extremely underrated yeah, card Cygnus right here. I'll give you sleeper alert. Um, I've started playing this in a couple lists as my finisher. And I couldn't be happier with it. Uh, I'm not saying go out and craft it. It is a little bit of a harder, you know, one to use. It, it obviously goes well in Nightfall lists. Uh, it can go well in, in other Targon lists, but it's a little bit better as a mid-range or aggressive deck where you have a couple big units, but you have enough cheap cards like spells to trigger the Nightfall on a six drop. Um, either way, Inviolus Vox is, is worth noting as a potential like dragon archetype inclusion Infinite Mind Splitter is good for like Yasuo, I guess, but Yasuo isn't what I would recommend for a new player. Um, so, yeah, not a lot here. Yeah, there there really isn't. There are cards that have been played, stuff to definitely avoid, Shards of the Mountain. Um, Mountain Sojourner seems like it's going to be really good. It won't end up being as good as you think. Sun Guardian, Arbiter of the Peak, and the Skies Descend are definitely cards that you want to avoid. The Skies Descend is only good because it also is Aurelian Soul. So if you have an Aurelian Soul on the board and you get one in your hand, which does often happen because Aurelian Soul is so expensive, Skies Descend yep. is his, he flips and becomes Skies Descend. That's really the only time you want to have a Skies Descend in your hand is when it's another copy of Aurelian Soul. Um, yeah. In my in my experience, so rare cards are interesting for Targon because there are actually some a couple of really good rare cards that you want. Some are that are much much better in specific archetypes, but could be good really in just about anything. Um, in mine, I'm I'm sure that my list will also be similar to DBN's here. Um, Spacey Sketcher, uh, Hush, which I think might be the number one in the rare category. Um, but right next to it, the other number one of the rare category for me is Mountain Goat. Uh, Mountain Goat is an extremely good card as well. Um, a Crescent Guardian. I think, so? I think the Mountain Goat's good, man. I want to hear the Mountain Goat pitch here because I have not been too impressed with it. I think Mountain Goat is really good because it's a two mana three two, so it allows you to block fearsome units and trade up pretty easily, and pretty much is always going to give you that uh, extra card in your hand that you might be able to heal something with or an increase attack with. I think that Targon, if especially if you're going to a region that doesn't have a lot of other powerful two drops, this is one of the better two drops in my opinion. I think it's one of the better two drops in the game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I see your pitch here as being like, if you're building a collection and just need something that's just okay, you know, that's just mm -hmm. always okay. But that's the thing. I don't think a Mountain Goat is always great. I think it's always okay. Um, so, like, there's an argument there. Is that good enough to put it as a staple card? I don't feel that way. I often find the gems sitting dead in my hand. Um, I think it's really easy. And I think gems are a little bit of a trap card. Like, when you get a gem in your hand, like you think it's you often think it's going to be better than it is because people are going to finish off trades. There, there's almost no time when an opponent is going to make a attack and allow something to get damaged but not killed. And even if that does happen, one point of healing isn't always enough to make a difference. Now, the one point of attack can sometimes be valid. Um, but you know, and again, a lot of times you put that one point of attack on something, you spend that mana, it's inhibiting you from playing other cards. I always almost I almost always prefer to bank that mana than get a single point of attack on something. And there are, of course, there are archetypes where this is not the case. But in general, 
I feel like Mountain Goat is more of a specific card for me. I, I try to avoid playing a deck if Mountain Goat's going to be my two drop just for just for value. I'm not mm. going to play that deck. Um, well, here I mean, I can it, see from the DBN and I have disagreed on Mountain Goat. I mean, I think I can see the idea of like if you're really restricted in the cards you have access to and you want to play Targon, then Mountain Goat can be okay. Sure. But compared to like Hush, uh, I, I they're in a completely different category. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, Crescent Guardian. The rest of mine are, and I'll go just hit the rest of mine real quick. Crescent Guardian, Solari Priestess, um, uh, Ravon Daylight Spear, and Eclipse Dragon. I think all of those, depending on what deck you're wanting to play, are safe. I think the only one that's like guaranteed a safe card for target in rare is hush i think that's the only one that's like yes like this is the rest of them could be a little bit more niche with the exception of maybe crescent guardian or solari priestess which i think can find play in a lot of different types of decks um but hush is the one that's like the the one yeah. for sure um and then from there you know i do think that daylight spear is necessary for leona eclipse dragon is necessary for aurelian soul um but uh but beyond that like the, the one that's going to go in basically every deck that's going to run Targon, you're going to throw at least a copy of Hush in it. Um, likely two. I'll yeah. say this, rarely three. Rarely are you ever going to put three copies of Hush in, in my experience. So maybe two is the safe the safe crafting point for I don't know. I, I play three copies in my list. I don't regret it, but yeah. It's a, it's a strong card at two or three. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you made a great point. Robin Robin is only a great craft if you have Leona. Eclipse Dragon, only a great cra uh, craft if you have a soul. And maybe if you have Leona. Maybe. Maybe. Probably not. Um, I think the only thing that I would want to shout out here uh, is Spacey Sketcher mm -hmm. um, and um, Lunari Priestess. Invoke is just like really, like really strong. Um, Spacey Sketcher can see play in what is now unpopular, but I think still like semi-valid, which is Lisa and Tarek. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's more of a, it's a really hard deck to pilot well, but it's still pretty strong. I think Spacey Sketcher is also still good with Zoe. It's good with Mountain Goat. If you want to play Mountain Goat, uh, it basically allows you to turn cards that you've generated that aren't great into a different card. Um, so I, yeah, Spacey Sketcher, I think is, is a pretty strong card. I think Lunari Priestess, just again, because it says invoke, sometimes you, you, you can just, in, unlike the Solari Priestess, which invokes a card of a specific cost, four, five, and six cost invoke cards are probably actually the weakest. Lunari Priestess has a chance to get you either something small, which you can then use to trigger more Nightfall, or something big, which you can use as a game ender. Solari Priestess is limited in the scope of things that they can play. Not saying Solari Priestess isn't a good craft if you're playing Leona, but I think Lunari Priestess deserves a shout out too. Yeah, Lunari Priestess is good. I do think that Solari Priestess specifically sees play in both Leona and in the Zoe Azel deck that's running around, um, specifically because the, there's one card in four, five, or six. There's two cards. There's one that draws a champion from your deck and gives it plus two, plus two, and lowers its cost by one. And then there is the six mana obliterate a target. 
Um, both of those cards are very good to be able to get off a Solari Priestess often. There are some other ones that you might be able to get off, uh, like the six mana summons a 4-3 with Lifesteal and a 4-3 with Elusive. That's also a very good one. There's there's also some weak points in there. That's de that's definitely true. There You can get shafted whenever you run Solari Priestess, but uh, I typically find one of those cards whenever I run her, and I'm very happy that I got one of them. Um, yeah. It, I'm, I'm underwhelmed by the options, but... <laughs> What are the what are the trap cards? What are the trap cards in rare? For me, like if I'm a new player, I think that the two there are two trap cards very specifically, which is Sunburst and Morning Light. Not because they're necessarily really bad cards or that you wouldn't potentially put them, but if you are hearing the Leona package, the Leona package, the Leona package, and you're like, oh, I just craft everything with Daybreak. These are ones that you may craft one of, two of potentially, but probably none of when you first start running the package. The package has a lot more to do with the creatures that go with Leona up to uh, Ravan Daylight Spear than they do with Morning Light or Sunburst. So those would yeah. be two cards I might not, that, that could be sort of traps in the in the game. Yeah, Morning Light, you almost never, I, I sometimes will put a copy in, sometimes. Yeah. But all, I've, all, I've basically shifted to never playing it because you, in, it's, you don't have to what's called main deck it because uh, extra duplicates of Leona will create it and Again, similar to Sunburst, Raven Daylight Spear can create it potentially for you. So if, if you really want to play Morning Light, you could put a copy in, but you're almost always better off hoping you draw a second copy of Leona or draw it off of the Daylight Spear, Absolutely. which Daylight Spear can sometimes like trigger a couple times in a game. So, you know, I, I would just uh, probably not craft Morning Light. As for Sunburst, I think it can be worth uh, crafting a single copy, but I would never craft more than one. I like it as a one-of, uh, and I think it's been pretty popular as a one-of because of its ability to deal with literally anything. Um, since as if you play it as a daybreak, you can silence the thing before dealing damage to it. Um, anything that's gotten super heavily buffed, anything with like a barrier on it or something like that, it'll get silenced first. Um, and so that, uh, I mean, that's basically a nuke something uh, that's really causing you trouble. Some decks will run a copy of it, but again, that's never going to be the first thing I go to. And, and again, the whole point of this is what are things you should craft sooner as opposed to later? Uh, I agree. I think also there's there's a lot of like not amazing cards in here, like, yes. like that I think are obvious and not traps. Like you you probably don't want to craft Messenger Sigil, even though it's funny. Mm -hmm. Like I've only ever found use for it in a single deck. Um, like maybe like things like... Um, well, like you have like super cool star charts and you have sleepy trouble bubbles. Those cards aren't terrible cards, but because you can get them off of like Zoe, same like you can get with Leona, you don't really need to craft them. Uh, Mountain Scryer, I think as an allegiance card is just okay, but you have so many other ways to invoke. Um, and the celestial cards like getting discounted by one just doesn't always seem that amazing. So I think Mountain Scryer could potentially be a little bit of a trap. I've seen decks with them. It's just a lot rarer. Mm -hmm. I, so I think the biggest trap in this set is the card that would be a trap for every new player because every new player to a card game wants to play what specifically? Uh, Grandfather Rummel. Dragons. They want to play dragons. Yeah. Like almost everyone wants to play dragons. So the oh, I guess trap so. for me is Herald of Dragons. Um, Herald of Dragons, the two mana 1-1 one, one that makes your dragons cost one less. Dragons are not good in this game. Um, almost ever. Sometimes. 
maybe, I have a good dragons deck, but it doesn't run Herald of Dragons. Yeah, I think that Herald of Dragons is a trap card, um, and I, I would agree. not craft Herald of Dragons. A two-mana 1-1 one, one is just too weak, and in this game, there is way too much early game removal, tricks, and challenger um, for you to keep that Herald of Dragon alive reliably. Um, so I think that Herald of Dragons is a, is a trap card for me. I think Grandfather Rommel is one of the funnest cards to play in Expedition and no, not in Constructed. Ever. So, <laughs> it, it, I, I like, he's he's great in Expedition. He's a, he's a good card in Expedition. He really is. But in uh, Constructed, not really. Well, let's wrap this up with the comments from Targon and the cards that we might think would be staples there. Um, and for me, in the comment cards, I just want to honorably mention, first off, Solari Soldier, Solari Shield Bearer. Um, those are the two cards that you're really looking for when it comes to your Leona package. Like, if you ran Leona well, with three and three. And the Sunforger. Uh, and oh, the Zenith Blade. Yeah, Sunforger and Zenith Blade as well. So there's a lot of Leona's package that's in here, but not looking at Leona's package. Let's say I'm not playing Leona, right? Yeah. If you're playing Leona, okay. craft the craft the Daybreaks in the comments for sure. You need them. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not, Pale Cascade is potentially, is definitely the best card. I think it's the best card in Targon. It may be the best card in the game. Um, and, uh, and so Pale Cascade, staple. I think my opinion is Guiding Touch, the cantrip to draw, heal to draw. Uh, for me, Guiding Touch is a staple as well. Um, and I would say the only other two that I would look at and say, yep, you definitely want to craft these and you're never going to regret it, um, is is Star Shaping. And then my my last one that's kind of fringe and I could be convinced against it is Bastion. Um, Bastion and Star Shaping. But a lot of times you're dipping into Targon specifically for protection. And Bastion's one of the best pieces of protection in the game. Um, so yeah, that's mine. Guiding Touch. Pale Castade, Bastion, Star Shaping, and if you're playing Daybreak, Leona, uh, all of the Daybreak cards in the common set. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree on Pale Cascade. Guiding Touch is a fringe one for me. I, I it often ends up like there's decks that want both, but I think a lot of decks don't need Guiding Touch, and sometimes people play it anyways. Like it's weirdly like sometimes a trap actually. <laughs> Um, like it's not a trap card to craft. It's a trap card to play in your deck sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, but it's still good. Still good. Uh, I would definitely say I really like Zenith blade even outside of daybreak because overwhelm is an extremely strong effect. Giving an ally a permanent buff is also quite strong. And if you run even just two copies, you play the first one and you can pick up the second one. It replaces itself in your hand. Um, there's a lot of decks that want overwhelm. There's a lot of decks that want plus one, plus two. I think Zenith Blade is just an extremely strong card as long as you craft at least two of them. Um, but I do agree uh, with Bastion. I think Bastion is a, a staple card, at least as a one-of. You're right. You go to Targon in a lot of cases. So either you start with Targon, and you look at your Targon cards, and you say, I want to play these champs or whatever. Uh, or you end up with Targon because you're playing a different faction that really needs to protect their stuff. And there's no better faction of protecting their stuff than Targon because of cards like Bastion, because of cards like... Um, like uh, Pale Guiding Cascade. Touch, Pale Cascade, Zenith Blade. Heck, I really think one of the most underrated cards in this game is Sunblessed Vigor. It's a burst, give plus two defense, but it sticks around. Mm -hmm. It's a very strong like, card as well. It's a very, very strong card. People sleep on this all the time, and I'm like, I, I'm putting this in my deck and not regretting it, you know? <laughs> um, 
And then star shaping is the quintessential, like that's a control card right there. It keeps you alive and it gives you a win condition into your hand. Mm -hmm. It's really, really strong. Card. Star, star shaping is a really good card. Uh, like if I when was only going to craft two common star shaping pale cascade are the two that I'm crafting from target. Yeah. When it first came out, star shaping was uh, everyone was calling for it to be nerfed. I don't think it, I don't think they're doing it anymore, but you know, that was the thing that everyone was overreacting to when it first came out because that idea of healing yourself for five and then getting a really strong celestial felt like there was no other card that did that. Um, I mean, I've even played in some like, like um, uh, there's a, a list that saucy mailman put together uh, that uses like um, the victor cards uh like the the bots the ballistic bots and the nyandroids and really trying to win off like nyandroid elusives and whatnot but uh darn it if he doesn't put star shapings in there why well because you got to get your elusives uh strong enough and you can't trade with them right like mm -hmm. you're not going to put them in on defense so sometimes you need to heal yourself uh and it can give you more elusives uh you know from the celestials like at the top end celestials, there's like two of them that are elusive themselves. Plus, like sometimes you just need something to help reset the board. Weirdly, like that deck worked, and partly because star shaping gave it an extra win condition that was flexible enough in how you play. Sometimes you can go and dig for, you know, a board wipe or whatever off the celestial. Cause I think there's one that's like seven cost that blows some things up. But there's also the ones that buff everything. There's also the ones that uh, you know, are big creatures that can come down. The Phoenix will, you know, is able to block two big things before it actually dies. Like, and it's elusive. There's just so many strong celestials that star shaping just can serve multiple purposes in the list. Very, very strong card. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's a pretty good look at the different cards that we're seeing uh, that maybe you should craft if you're a newer player to the game. And maybe if you're not a newer player, but you are looking to get into a new region and one of those regions is Freljord or Targan, this is some good advice for you as well. I know we do have a lot of people who maybe aren't, a lot of the people who are like in our Discord or regular players have been since beta, they have big collections. But I'm sure that a lot of our larger audience um, is not that. And so um, they're actually, you know, they're newer to the game or maybe they're they don't play quite as often and they do have a limit on their crafting supplies and so they're kind of being careful about what they want to craft once again guys the important part is it's a game you want to have fun if winning is fun for you then you want to look up your meta decks or whatever but if if that's not the most fun thing for you um, go with a champion that you love and start looking for decks that use that champion and craft the cards that go in that deck um, is if it's not like the s tier deck at the time it's probably not going to get hit with a nerf it might even get hit with a buff if you're playing like a an A or a B tier deck, um, and you 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 know might even get a little bit better, um, which could be which could definitely be cool. So that's going to wrap up our our first uh, piece of the uh, of the card discussion and the uh, the crafting guide. Um, definitely in future weeks on this show, we will uh, go in and jump in on other regions as well. Um, but let's uh, work our way out of here and go ahead and jump over to closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. So guys, closing thoughts today is, I don't know if it's lame or cool, it sort of depends on what your opinion is. I told you guys last week that I was going to have an announcement this week, and we do have an announcement this week, but it isn't show-oriented, it's my life-oriented. Um, my wife and I have decided to uh, leave the position that I've been serving in, um, in the community that I've been serving for the past almost 11 years, um, to start a fully digital expression of church online. Um, and so if that's something that you're into or something that you would be interested in checking out, I do encourage encourage you to come 
and uh, come to our Discord, shoot me a message, shoot me an email, let me know if you're interested in being involved or interested in learning more or interested in attending and checking it out. Um, we're going to start up some stuff in February doing live streams, but one of the cool parts of that it is includes is it also includes me playing a little bit more LOR. So part of what I'm going to be doing is streaming um, a couple of hours a week. So sometime in February, I'm going to start streaming. Uh, the plan is right now, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from either 8 to 11 or 9 to 11. So between, you know, like six and nine hours a week, I'm going to start streaming, which is really exciting. My only other closing thought is this. Um, I sort of hit a wall this week. Um, I, uh, I just was exhausted. Last night we were supposed to record and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, I've been uh, I've been in the middle of a fast right now, and you might not know what fasting is, but basically you abstain from eating food for a season, and um, it's a long one. So I'm 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 quite a ways into it right now, and uh, and I was just done, like I was just completely done. Um, and sometimes it's good in life to rest and to slow yourself down. I was reading a book today about the the sort of the presence of slowing or like the activity of slowing, um, and they suggested that like once a week. Um, you intentionally get in the longer line at the grocery store. You wait behind the longer line of traffic at the red light. Um, do what you can to intentionally slow your life down and learn that life doesn't end um, and uh, and people don't, like the world doesn't fall apart when you aren't there 30 seconds earlier or you don't finish your task two minutes before you um, could have or whatever. And so I, I think that uh, intentionally slowing is a, is a good closing thought as well. So an announcement and a little um, bit of wisdom, hopefully, uh, slow, slow your life down. And sometimes you got to be intentional about that in this, in this crazy time that we live in. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Well, hey, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, if you want to check out DBN uh, and what he's doing, I'm going to put a link to his YouTube here in the show description. I know he hasn't uploaded uh, recently, but I will say this. I think your most recent upload is Vaults of Helia, and nothing in that deck has been changed. So if you wanted to find a way <laughs> to play true. Vaults, that's a good way to do it. Uh, if you want to check out what I'm doing, go to twitch.tv slash the lift. And I will say this. If you really want to talk to either of us, by far the best way to do that is Discord. So find that link in the Discord. If you want to support us visit patreon.com slash legendscast that link is in the show description as well that's going to wrap up everything and that was too much talking by me at the end thank you for listening and be sure to come back again next week thanks for listening to legends cast this episode was brought to you by listeners like you don't forget to join our discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts a special thanks goes out to all of our patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legends cast